Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAM Sports Radio on this Sunday. As the college football playoff rankings are out, the University of Alabama, for the second time in the playoff era, will not be a part of the Final Four. As they fall just short, they are named fifth and Tennessee sixth. And if I have one more idiot tell me that Tennessee should have been chosen over Alabama, I'm going to puke in the floor because I'm sorry. But injuries matter. Everybody knows that if Mo, Larry, Curley, and Shemp hadn't been officiating, Alabama wouldn't have lost the game. Two, Hendon Hooker isn't playing anymore, so of course that has to matter. And three, they got blown out at South Kakalaki. So that uh, take is uh, is out there. I uh, just I could not believe some of the blowhards in the media that were trying to make a case for Tennessee, uh, who had a great year. Congratulations to the Vols. They finally beat Alabama, so they can you know get rid of all the Philip Fulmer posters or whatever because they finally beat them again. But again, the Vols did not deserve to be in either. Did not deserve to be ahead of Alabama at this time uh, because Alabama's playing better football at the end of the season. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. It's kind of like the 1993 season when Notre Dame beat Florida State but then turned around and choked against Boston College and were bitching because they didn't win the national championship. Don't choke against Tom Coughlin. That's your own fault. But anyway, we are going to talk some Alabama Crimson Tide football. Uh, as we always do with our cohorts, and that's Thomas the Wizard Watts, who's producing the show in the Mo- in the port city of Mobile, and of course will give his uh, a- outstanding football analytical takes and his thoughts on Alabama, and of course from '89 to '93, a national champion, William Redfish Barger is going to join us. And guys, uh, to uh, start the conversation off, William, I didn't think Alabama was going to get in. I thought they were better after with my eye test. Watching, uh, you know, uh, TCU this uh, yesterday, who's got a good football team, but I don't think they're Alabama, and I don't think Ohio State and Michigan are as good as Alabama. But Michigan's undefeated; can't say anything about that, and uh, wouldn't have said anything about TCU if they had found a way to win. But they lost the game on the last play, so uh, my biggest problem with this was with Ohio State because they got blown out at home. Uh, is a, a nearly a nine-point favorite, lost by three touchdowns, but again. It's one loss, and not shocked that the uh, committee held Alabama out and they finished fifth. Well, I've I've got a different take, especially with the way that Michigan utilizes their tight ends, Um, and and they do have a mobile quarterback, and I would say that uh, about Ohio State's offense as well. I can assure you there ain't a damn Marvin Harrison Jr. on Alabama's roster. That's true. Um, I, I, you know, I would I would be more concerned about not how Alabama's offense matches up against those two teams, but I do think that both Michigan and Ohio State could score thirty on on a Pete Golding coached Alabama defense. But but like you, um, you know. You know, you, you got to look at it. I mean, people look at the how, how close the losses were for Alabama, but then you look at their 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 one quality win was against a four loss Texas team. Um, so you know, I, I can see both sides the, of the stick to this. I, I just think you know, Alabama fans are being selfish um, with trying to you know, push the narrative that they wanted this team in the college football playoffs when actually what ails this this Alabama team, um, you know, needs to be corrected in an extended bowl practice, an extra, which I would call an extra spring practice. Um, you know, you know, we've already seen, what, four players hit the transfer portal. Yeah. Um, we're probably, you know, T-minus. Uh, 30 to 40 days from seeing, you know, quite a few, I say quite a few, somewhere between two, I would put that, put it at the top in four coaching changes on the coaching staff. Um, you know, they need to, you know, it's, it's not going to be a rebuild because they've got a lot of good players coming back. Um, you know, especially on the offensive side of the football minus the most important position, you know, the quarterback position, you know, that's something that's going to have to be rectified, but, 
um, you know, they're, they're going to be a, you know, be a player next year, but you know, they've, they've got to weed out the rest of the turds in the punch bowl, you know, find out the ones that want to be there. Um, you know, that, that's, that it's important to them. And, you know, I mean, I think Nick Saban needs to, um, you know, kind of press his thumb on some of these players and, and, you know, try, you know, stop, you know, tiptoeing around the, um, you know, the millennial generation and, and, you know, get back to, um, you know, because, because I kind of got tired of hearing this in September or October, but, you know, I got to call a spade a spade, you know, people talk about, you know, Nick Saban struggling with NIL and, um, you know, this, this woke generation of players that he's trying to manage fourth and Kirby doesn't seem to be having a lot of problem with trying to figure it out. So, you know, that's up to the greatest of all time to figure out and, and, you know, change lanes on some of the stuff that he's been doing. But, you know, I never thought this team deserved to be in the college football playoffs. Um, and I, I damn sure don't want to reward a team for something that I don't think they've gone out there and earned on the field. You know, yeah. Um, can you say that maybe they would have been one of those teams if Bryce Young, um, you know, hadn't have been hurt? Maybe. Um, but, you know, there was a couple other games that Alabama was lucky to escape. But, you know, um, you know, losing to a, you know, average at best LSU team to me and, um, you know, uh, you know, then I get it, you know, it was a perfect storm up in Knoxville, but, you know, when you look at Tennessee's two losses, I think that plays into, you know, part of why Alabama's on the outside looking in. I mean, they, they got game managed and slightly mauled by Georgia and just, you know, lit on fire by, you know, a, a fledgling South Carolina program. So, you know, that's where we find ourselves. And, and I do think there's, you know, happier times, you know, down the tunnel, Drew. Well, and I'll just say this, too. I mean, I, I think I think it's the coaching staff. I don't think they did a good enough job with this team. I think they were talented enough to be, uh, you know, in the college football playoff. And that's why Nick, Coach Saban's got to reset this the third time and, um, and make four or five coaching changes on this staff, um, you know, definitely without question. Uh, you know, several defensive changes. Uh, and I'll be I'll be honest. I mean, I would I would say defensive coordinator, outside linebacker, special teams. Um, I would also say, uh, you know, uh, the defensive line. I think those need to happen. Uh, no question. I think they've got to reset the culture and get back to being a defense people fear like a Georgia. Even though Georgia gave up a lot of passing yards yesterday, nobody's perfect. I don't think this Georgia team is as good as last year, honestly, but they're still a really good team. Uh, and they have a better coaching staff than Alabama. That's why they're undefeated and Alabama's not. Look, I have criticized Kirby Freeze. I mean, smart. I've bashed him, but I'm going to – you have to, I, you have to, you know, give a guy credit when credit is due. To me, they're a huge favorite uh, the rest of the way. They should be a repeat college football playoff champion. I tip my cap to them. Uh, they've had more stability than Alabama. And Kirby did a better job of retooling his coaching staff. You know, remember William, he lost several guys, uh, but he did a better job retooling his than Coach Saban did. Uh, so you've got to get rid of some dead beats, get rid of some dead wood, and let's get back to, you know, being Alabama football. That's what you've got to do. You've got to get back to being physical along the lines of scrimmage uh, because offensive and defensive line play, even in this era of the spread and throw the ball all around, that's what you got to get back to. Defensive line coach isn't good enough. He couldn't recruit his shadow, and the defensive linemen are soft. Okay, that's period, end of story. So uh, until you get re until you have show Freddie Roach the door, it's not going to be good enough, and that's what they've got to do. Uh, him going out there and telling people that Peter Woods is too small to play at Alabama, somebody should just freaking pack in a U-Haul and drive it and drive it to the Alabama state line, and then and then uh, and then plop it, it, it right there and say, you know, wherever you end up it's fine, but you're not staying in the state of Alabama anymore because, first of all, the cataract surgery we had to get for you was way too expensive anyway because you don't know what you're looking at. So, that's just my <laughs> take on that. I mean, if, if, if you're trying to sell people that, then you have no, you mean, I mean, just none. You have no business being a, a football coach at the University of Alabama.
Well, I, I mean, I'm laughing, Drew, but it's it's not really about your comments about Freddie Roach. I'm still laughing at you uh, referring to Kirby as as uh, Hugh Freeze 2.0. Now, you know me, I, I, I'm as big of a Kirby critic as, as there is, but I've never seen Kirby go on college game day, uh, what, less than a week after getting hired by his, his current employer and go right back to the same script he was reading from when he was at Ole Miss and, and people were accusing him of cheating and, and, and go down the road of talking about we've got to go down, we've got to go down into the valley and pick the proper fruit. Um, you know, Kirby, Kirby doesn't bring the Bible into college football. And to be honest with you, no college football coach should because it's not a very moral driven business model. Um, I, I don't disagree with you about, uh, you know, some of the other conversations. Um, I, I've watched Peter Woods. Um, you know, I, I live as a crow flies five miles from Thompson High School. And, you know, I thought the kid was SEC ready to play um, as a sophomore in high school. And, you know, the, he's got things that you can't teach. Um, you know, he, he plays with elite pad level. He's got violent hands. He's got a high motor. Um, it kind of reminds me of a, of a former undersized uh, SEC defensive lineman that took me to Tool Town my sophomore oh. year in Gainesville, Florida, named Brad Culpepper. And, oh. you know, that guy played the NFL for 15 years. Um, but, you know, th those are all excuses. Um, if those are the kind of things that are um, – you know, coming out of Freddie Roach's mouth, um, that that's just a byproduct of basically having somebody in the decision-making process tell you that the only way Peter Woods will sign with Alabama is if you're no longer the defensive line coach. Well, he don't need to be the effing defensive. The damn defensive line coach is in Austin, Texas. He just needs the money to be matched, and that's all I'm saying about that. That's what needs to happen, and, and, and again, I just, you know, I think that I just don't think Freddie's good enough. And I didn't, I was never against Freddie Rhodes. I mean, I, I enjoyed him playing at Alabama. I enjoyed him in his other two stints at, off the field with Alabama. I thought he earned his opportunity, but he's just not good enough. And it's a business. Uh, and, and, you know, Alabama's trying to compete with Georgia. And Georgia's setting the standard right now. You have to admit that. And, again, let me just preface this by saying uh, when I used to, uh, refer to Kirby as Kirby Freeze. It was more about his recruiting tactics. It's certainly not about his personal life, uh, which is, uh, you know, with Hugh Freeze as a train wreck and as a 60-minute special waiting to happen. Now, I, of course, I was not referring to Kirby in that way, but Kirby's got it rolling. Uh, you know, his football team won 50-30 to 30 yesterday. His second SEC title, congratulations to him. Well-earned as they beat LSU down. And I totally agree with you, William. No way in hell Alabama should have should have lost to LSU. The more I think about that, I mean Tennessee is at least potent offensively and had a great quarterback in Hendon Hooker, who I think could have won the Heisman if they had beaten South Carolina and he stayed healthy. I would have probably voted for him. Uh, I do think Bryce and, and Hendon are the two best players I saw in college football. Now, if Bryce had won the Tennessee game and say, and, and then I think that Bryce uh, would have repeated his Heisman Trophy winner. But I think. Those two guys are the best players. I don't think they're going to win. And if I have one more guy try to tell me that C.J. Stroud or Caleb Williams is in Bryce's class, I'm going to puke because I saw both of them play. I can't believe you've got people making excuses saying Caleb Williams still played well against Utah. He didn't play nearly well enough. Okay, I, USC's a fraud. Lincoln Riley is, a soft, is, is soft, and their football team had no business being in the playoff, and I'm glad they're not. So, uh, you know, I was glad to see that. And, I, and again, Stroud's a good player. I just don't think he's in Bryce's class. But I will say this. He, he's going to have to have a huge game for them to beat uh, Georgia. That's Ohio State's one chance in this drill is all those receivers they've got, and they've got to protect Stroud, and they've got to throw the ball down the field against Georgia. But even saying that, I still like Georgia's offense and, and the experience of Stetson Bennett and their balance, and the freakazoid that I was watching again yesterday, Broughton Bowers, I still think they cannot score Ohio State because I still think uh, that Georgia's the best team. Well, and, and, you know, to me, you know, everybody is given um, 
you know, Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monk and all these kudos about how he's revolutionized their offense and, um, you know, done all these great things. And certainly you've got to get tip, tip your hat to him for, you know, what he's been able to do by developing a former walk-on quarterback in Stetson Bennett. But I, I still sit there when I watch Georgia on offense. And, and to me, I think that's the the big difference in – this year's version of Georgia versus last year's version of Georgia is, you know, I think the defense has kind of taken a small step backwards and the offense has taken a, you know, small step forward. But I still don't think Brock Bowers is utilized enough. I mean, if I was Todd Monken, I would run those damn underneath routes, those seam routes to Brock Bowers till Kirby Smart, you know, blew me up on the damn, you know, red telephone in the press box and said, hey, are you trying to get this kid killed? Yeah, I am, Coach, because nobody can stop him. And, you know, he may be the, uh, speaking of Brock Bowers, you know, he may be the most under-the-radar five-star recruit coming into college football, you know, that I've ever seen just explode. I mean, that, that cat is special. He's always open. He always makes yards after contact. He never drops a ball. And, uh, you know, give Kirby or whoever the coach was that went out to the West Coast and uh, and plucked him because, you know, he was kind of – even though he was, you know, evaluated as a five-star, you know, you, you didn't hear the, you know, the talk about him like you did about a Julio Jones or a Bryce Young or a Tua Tungavailoa. You know, nobody – you know, he, he kind of came and, you know, took college football, um, you know, you know, by the throat last year as a true freshman. And certainly he's built on that and, uh, you know, is, is, you know, been mangling people this year. He certainly has. And William, I'm going to blow your mind. And I had to, I had to double check it, man, just to make sure I wasn't wrong when I said this, but I was pretty positive of it. We all know, as you pointed out to the listeners, but he's from Napa, California. He's a California kid. Guess what? And this goes to show you how inexact when you're rating players. He was nationally the 105th ranked player in the country and the third tight end, only the 10th rated player in the state of California, and he was not a five-star prospect. He was a four. Wow. So I thought he was a low – Wow. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate you pointing me that out. Oh, he's no way he should have been a four. He should have been a top five player in the country in a five. But it just goes to show you sometimes that they don't even know what they're watching. And so he is a freakazoid. I mean, if I would agree with you. If Georgia would get in the ball even more, say he caught 80 passes this year, I would vote for him for the Heisman. But he just probably hasn't touched it enough. If he could just get like 1,200 receiving yards, because I think he's that damn good. I have no problem with that. Hellfire. It's never happened before, William. But in another year, I know this sounds nuts. I think he could be the first pick if they had a brain. I mean, at least a top five pick. And that's and that's unprecedented with a tight end. Because don't ever forget that Gronk was, I think, a second round pick. But this kid is just on another level and can do so many different things, and it's so good that there's no question in my mind he should be a first-round, high first-round pick. And that doesn't happen with tight ends a lot, but I agree with you. I think he's, I, and I think he's helped, uh, you know, uh, to, uh, Darnell Washington. Washington has gotten better as well. He'll be drafted probably no worse than the second round, even though he's soaking big. I still think he should be a left tackle. But, I mean, again. Uh, they have the most talented tight end room in America. And Brock Bowers, to me, he I think Bryce is the best player, but I think Brock is in the top five or six or seven. Just probably doesn't touch the ball enough at Georgia. But just he's an unbelievable player. It's hard to believe he wasn't a five-star coming out of high school. And certainly, and I, and I agree with you, you got to give Stetson Bennett a lot of credit. If Stetson had played a little better in a couple other games, he might have had a shot at the Heisman Trophy. But certainly, maybe he'll get a chance to be a finalist. I wouldn't have a problem with that. And, and again, credit to him because he's outperformed a lot of five stars uh, that were thought to be better than him when he got to Georgia. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that blows my mind because, you know, and, and maybe I looked at the rankings the wrong way, which I'm prone to do, but I mean, I, I kind of thought he was a, a, a low five-star guy. I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said what you said. That just kind of makes me giggle a little bit. That's almost as bad as people saying Tommy Brockermeyer was the second best offensive tackle in the country two years ago. That's the but, total uh, opposite of it, man. I mean, I even <laughs> heard a recruiting analyst call him a six-star prospect. Yeah, well, um, Alabama has had some six-star offensive linemen, but they're playing in the NFL right now. There's none <laughs> There's none on that roster right now. Um, but – but no, I mean, like like you said, you know, um, you know, even without the targets, if I was a Heisman voter, you know, I would look at what somebody does when they do get targeted, and you know, some of those cats that see to me, you know, I couldn't go with Bryce this year because it's nothing to do with Bryce, but but you know, the thirty month hangover with the shoulder, um, you know. You've got to factor that in, even though that's not his fault. But he just doesn't have the supporting cast um, to help him out. The other side of that argument is, is when he has been healthy and available, you know, he he has been brilliant, um, you know, at certain times. I just don't think he's had that supporting cast around him to get there. But, you know, three guys that I've seen this year that really have impressed me – is is Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Um Josh Downs at North Carolina and and Brock Bowers and you know maybe even to a lesser extent um you know I, I'm I'm a little biased against the Big 10 and the level of competition up there but you know I mean I think JJ McCarthy is Bryce Young light um in a lot of instances, he has a lot of the same skill set, you know, can improvise when the pocket breaks down, uh, you know, makes magician like plays, but you know, those are three or four guys that have really caught my attention this year. And, you know, none of them may end up getting an invite to uh, New York city next weekend for all I know. Well, yeah, I know we we don't even die to be honest with you. Aaron Suttles, he's a good friend of yours, good friend of mine. He tweeted something yesterday that I even – I just – I gave an a emoji of uh, the bulging eyes, and I really agree with it. He said maybe the, the Heisman could have a bye this year. <laughs> well, you know, you can't have a bye, but, you know, it, it was uh, – you know, Bryce cemented, you know, his legacy last year in the Iron Bowl. Um, and, and I certainly think, you know, set the hook and, um, you know, reeled it in, in the SEC championship game. Um, I tell you what, you know, the, um, you know, I think the quarterback from TCU is a, a viable candidate. I mean, there's some viable candidates around the country. I think if Hendon Hooker, like you said, um, you know, if he hadn't have gotten hurt, you know, I think that that's one dynamic in the Tennessee discussion. That, that nobody really talks about is, you know, prior to Hendon Hooker's in, uh, injury, um, you know, you had their number one wide receiver starting the season off and Cedric Tillman go down. And as an Alabama fan, I'm thankful he never got fully healthy until after they beat us. And then all of a sudden you saw the explosion and the emergence of, of uh, Jalen Hyatt becoming the number one wide receiver in the SEC. Uh, and I think number three in the country. Um, so, you know, it, it's been a strange year, um, you know, as far as these individual awards go um, and, and, you know, how the college football playoff has worked out and, you know, how the bowl games are going to go. But, um, you know, that's why it's the greatest sport in the world, in my opinion, is it's unpredictable and you never know which direction it's going to turn to. Yeah, you never do. And then what are your thoughts on how many guys will see opt out? You know, I've, I've said I wouldn't be surprised that Bryce, Will, uh, potentially Brian Branch, uh, Jameer Gibbs. I mean, we'll have to wait and see. Nobody's made a final decision. Uh, certainly Alabama is headed to the Sugar Bowl to take on Big 12 champion Kansas State. Um, and if they don't, Bryce doesn't play, like we've said. I, I'd like to see Jalen Milrow. He'll, I know he'll start, I'm, uh, but I'd like to at least see Ty Simpson play half the game and us see him because, again, 
Uh, I'm still not a Drake May guy. I thought I know he had a hell of a year at North Carolina. And they no, no, on. no, no, Drew. He is transferring on Monday and will be the starter in the Sugar Bowl for Alabama. Oh, good lord! I mean, I just, I just think <laughs> I'm going to edit that. <laughs> and he's and he's bringing and he's bringing Josh Downs and Phil Longo with him. Oh, good. Bob, gonna... Bill O'Brien will be demoted to an analyst. <laughs> Well, I just I hope to I'd like to see Ty and I know there's been some rumor about Ty and his father being uh, you know, unhappy, but that the same things happened with Tua and that was smoothed out and Saban needs to smooth this out because I think Ty Simpson definitely is the future and I'd like to see him play in this bowl game if you're not gonna see a final chapter out of Bryce Young. But Thomas, I know you got a little bit of a laugh out of that. What are your thoughts? Well, so overall, um I didn't get a chance to really rant about the committee. Uh, the whole point of the weekend to me was forcing a conversation. It wasn't enough. Um, you don't want to you you don't want to get put in that situation. Take care of your business. And so Alabama's off to the Sugar Bowl. That said, I, I'm I'm pretty excited about seeing this game. You know, William called it an extended spring. I'm looking at it like the first game of next year. Because I do think we're going to have significant opt-outs. I also think that some of the players in the transfer portal, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think those are the only guys that are going to be in the portal before the game. Um, I think you're going to have a great idea over the next couple of weeks of who, what, when, where, why in terms of coaching staff changes. So, you know, treat it like a chance to put stuff on film for the team to get better. You know, talking about Ty Simpson or Jalen Milrow, I struggle to understand why they both wouldn't see reps. Um, now, of course, if Jalen Milrow comes out and the first two drives, it's Alabama ripping off 14 quick points, then Milrow gets more series. But if Milrow does, you know, Texas A&M redux and – starts making mistakes, I think you should have a very short leash. I mean, Alabama needs to see what they've got in Ty Simpson. And I realize they've looked at him in practice, but practice ain't game reps. And so, you know, that's kind of the attitude I hope the coaching staff takes. It's not that I don't, it's, you know, of course I want Alabama to win, but to me it's the repetitions that matter. You know, if, if you want to talk about my ideal, my ideal for the Sugar Bowl is we come out of it, win, lose, or draw, hopefully a win, but win, lose, or draw, and say, holy smokes, Ty Simpson or, you know, Jaheim Otis or the the, tr- the true freshman wide receivers, you know, one or two of them are going to be a big-time problem next year for opposing teams. I mean, that's really what I'm after. And – I will say, you know, looking at the last three games, the true freshman wide receivers were figuring it out. And so I think there's a lot to look forward to with this upcoming game. I think they're, you know, we this, this season very desperately needs to get put to bed. I will say this was not as fun a season to watch because nothing came easy to this football team and most of it was self-inflicted wounds. But, you know... Alabama didn't make it. That sucks. But, you know, time to move on as far as I'm concerned. So, Drew, let me give Thomas a little glimmer of hope here. Oh, God. Yeah. And, if he, and if he was my son, this wouldn't even be a debatable point, especially with them being out of the college football playoffs. If Bryce Young opts out, and I fully expect him to, and, you know, Jalen Milrow is QB1, the first day of bowl practice, just just by default, Ty Simpson is going to get, you know, much, much more reps. And I would expand on what you said with your hope. You know, I don't know if they have enough bowl practice time. I think they only get 15 practices. I could be wrong. Y'all spot check me on that. But I, I'm not saying they have enough practices to have an open quarterback competition. But Ty Simpson is going to see a significant more time with the first-team offense than he's seen up until this point, probably since 
this time last year at bowl practice and and spring practice. So, you know, that that's that's going to get amplified right off the gate if if Bryce Young opts out, which I expect him to do. He he, he wouldn't participate in this Sugar Bowl show if I was his dad. Um, neither would Will Anderson. You know that you're talking about you know, a meaningless bowl game, you know, factored against top 10 NFL draft money. That's a no-brainer. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I, I, I think what you said is dead on. And, and, you know, the Clemson fans are sitting there scratching their heads today um, with what went on in the ACC championship last night with DJ Ungale, um getting getting the hook after two – you know, two bad series last night, you know, the Clemson fans are sitting there going, wait a second, you know, DJs look like this for the better part of the season. If you'd have given them the hook in those two losses, we may not have two losses in the ACC. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Cade Klubnick went in there and I would say DJ Uyunglele is going to end up at another school for his final year because He's got about as much chance of being a high draft pick as I do to say uh, that I'm an Auburn fan. So uh, that's not going to happen. As long as it's not Alabama, Drew, I'm happy for the young man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a, he, he probably <laughs> just needs a fresh start somewhere. There's no doubt about that. And uh, good luck to DJ Uyunglele. It took me, you know, six months to learn how to say his name. But uh, he just – he never he, – he was – he looked better as a sophomore than he, than he did as a senior. He, and that, maybe some of that's coaching. I mean, you know, Dabo's lost some really good coaches. And Jeff Scott's available again, by the way. We'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, you know, he got fired at South Florida. Interesting, Deion Sanders is going to be the new coach at Colorado. Alex uh, Golish is going to leave Tennessee as offensive coordinator and be the coach at South Florida. So, there you go. I know uh, Heupel calls the plays, but that's a, a big loss for Tennessee. So, we'll see. Uh, in, in Tennessee and some of these other teams – I did. I was uh, amused though to watch TCU choke, to watch USC get mauled. Now you know how it feels to be everybody's Super Bowl guys. Uh, that's all I'll say to all these schools. Alabama's put up with it for 15 years and won 10 games a year, and y'all can't finish one season uh, and win a championship, even a conference title. So there you go. That's what happens when you're the hunted. I got to give Kyle Winningham a lot of credit. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the country. But to show you, even in a down year, that I think the SEC is still the best league, Florida beat Utah. So that's all I need to say about that. But, again, Alabama didn't take care of business. We understand it. And now, hopefully, it'll be an impetus for Nick Saban to make the changes needed. Hopefully, get the band back together. I would love to see Jeremy Pruitt. Love to see Sal Sanceri back on the field. Uh, And and, uh, I wish that would be one change we would see for the bowl game. Coleman Hutzler be out and just transition Sal back on the field. And even if Will Anderson opts out, as we would not be shocked, uh, get to see Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner go back to kicking ass uh, instead of uh, being non-factors for long stretches of games because they're not being utilized properly by Wild Turkey Golding and some of that coaching staff. So, you know, (laughs) but, but, you know, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. And certainly uh, looking forward to some of the tweaks and, and the changes. And, and again, if a lot of guys opt out, I'm going to be anxious, like you said, William, to see some of these younger players in the bowl game. If a Jameer Gibbs opts out, I know Jason's finished strong, but I wouldn't mind seeing a guy like Jamarian Miller and Roy Dell get some carries, uh, you know, and, and, and I think they'd be hungry for, to, to prove themselves. Some of these younger offensive linemen, perhaps, even though most of the time, O-linemen don't opt out. And I don't think Alabama has one that's a, high enough draft pick that would do that, but who knows? I mean, we'll see. And that's going to be up to Nick Saban. And, you know, I've been asked many times, do I think the coaching changes will have happened before or after the bowl game? I think most of them will be after uh, because they're also trying to finish recruiting. Because some of these uh, coaches, even though I don't think they'll be back, have to finish recruiting some prospects that they hope to get to sign on the dotted line on the 21st and the 23rd. So, Alabama trying to hold on to the guys they've got and finish out this recruiting class. I will say this. I talked to, uh, you know, our, the latest commitment for Alabama and as far as the 2023 commitment, and that would be, uh, you know, uh, Jaron Hamilton. I talked to his high school coach. Had a lot of glowing things to say about him. Then I watched a little bit of 
video clips on Friday. He looked really, really good. We're talking about a 6'1", 190-plus pound kid uh, that's got a 40-inch vertical and a four, and he, it runs in the four fives. You know, there's a 10 500 and a 20, near, under, 22, under 23, about a 22-5-6-200. So I just think over overall, Alabama is still bringing in some good talent. They just need to coach them a little bit better. And, again, that's the key for me is Alabama doing a better job and, and retooling this coaching staff because your target is still Georgia. I mean, I still think Alabama's the second-best team in the country, honestly, but they're not as good as Georgia right now. Uh, and they have to get back to being that good. They did beat them once last year. Don't think they would have this season more than likely. Though, if you ask me, with Bryce Healthy, I still think Alabama would have had a better shot even than Michigan, but we'll find out uh, how good this Michigan team really is. Can they beat DCU? And then in the rematch with Georgia, which is, I think, what's going to happen, are they going to be more competitive than they were last year when it looked like a spring? And then one other thing I will point out, William, and I think I said this to you guys earlier when during our uh, preseason BAMS radios, uh, but I guess we should have known And you know, when uh, – when we had our, our scrimmage intel from the last scrimmage uh, before, uh, you know, fall camp broke, that if Trayshawn Holden ends up with three touchdowns and nearly 200 yards, your defense isn't worth a plug. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So that, that's – and he's already in the transfer portal, by the way, and I would have helped him pack just like Jaleel Worthless – and uh, a Jai Moron. But again, and Jaleel, of course, as nobody would be shocked, was uh, basically told to leave the Texas program because of his negative energy. I know everybody was stunned by that. No, not really. But who was the prospect you were talking about when you first came back on? I, I missed the name. Oh, uh, J- Jaron Hamilton. He's a wide receiver from Gainesville. Oh, the wide receiver from Texas. I mean, yeah, Florida. I'm sorry. Florida, yeah. Okay. Yeah, w. Buckles High School. Yeah, I talked to his coach. Uh, you know, he was a really, really good guy. Been there a long time. Been in coaching uh, 25 plus years. His uh, his son is uh, the quarterback, Creed Whittemore. This, his name's Mark Whittemore. His his son will be going to play for Mike Leach at Mississippi State, but uh, they played in the state semifinals against Venice uh, this past Friday. Gotcha. Um, but, 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 you know, I, I think, Drew, the, the thing that this Alabama program needs, you know, going forward is, you know, the expectation going into the season was, you know, this was going to be, one of the most talented Alabama football teams that you've seen, at least under Nick Saban. Um, you know, I, I think the hood has been lifted and it's off. Um, maybe on paper, if, if all you pay attention to is the recruiting services, um, maybe you need to stop paying attention to the recruiting services because it wasn't. Um, you know, I, I can go back – 22 to 16, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. Um, when, when, when Reuben Foster had to wait three years to get on the field as a starter because he wasn't good enough to beat out Reggie Ragland. Um, you know, a guy like Dalvin Tomlinson, who I don't think was ever a starter, at least for a full season at Alabama, who's playing at an all pro pro bowl level in the NFL. I mean, you know, no, no, uh, you know, you know, slant to him. Um, he just wasn't good enough to beat out Ashawn Robinson and John Allen, you know. Um, but th- th- that's where, you know, and I think there's a lot of different contributing factors that have played into this. You know, I think a lot of schools have, have, have you know, sold their souls to, um, you know, play catch up to Nick Saban, and some of them have. Uh, obviously, Georgia is, is the headliner there. Uh, but, you know, that was the difference in Alabama um, for five or six years from, say, 2014 to 2020 was, you know, you, you could have taken their second team across the board and put together, a, you know, a team that could have given Alabama's first 22 um, you know, the game of their life. 
And, you know, that that's what I think, you know, you know, if Nick Saban's going to hit the reset, I don't think under the current environment of the transfer portal and uh, NIL, he can ever get back to that level of grace, uh, greatness, but he, he can get back to um, another level. But th- that's where they've got to hit the reset button, um, you know, make some better OC and DC hires, make some better, you know, coaching staff hires. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're Nick Saban, Bobby Bowden, or Bear Bryant. You know, the best Jimmys and Joes tend to win. Yeah, they do. you got to have the best players, and certainly uh, you've got to coach those players really well. Uh, and so I, I completely agree. So uh, Nick Saban's got some big-time decisions to make. And, Thomas, I'll bring you in, your thoughts on what Nick Saban needs to do to get this program back uh, to the top of the SEC, and that means back in the playoff. Well, as I said last week, Drew, I know Pete Golding has uh, played, has talked his way out of town at best, but I think you could have you could have kept Pete Golding if you were surrounded him with elite position coaches. The defensive coaching staff around Pete Golding had some glaring issues, and you know, no matter who the defensive coordinator comes in, whether it is Jeremy Pruitt, which I have a hard time believing, but hey, you know, stranger things have happened. Um, get you know, get the position coaches around him to be absolutely top level guys. Um, you know, Bo Davis match his contract yesterday. Salson's and you know, we said on this program, if Salson's Airy's not back on the field for Alabama, he'll be back on the field for someone else, and that is not a state of affairs that needs to be allowed to stand. Like, that just isn't, you know, Sal Sanceri is one of the best coaches, and he understands, if only because he understands how Nick Saban wants to go about his business, because he's been around Saban for so long. You're talking offensively. Look, Bill O'Brien's offense is monstrously complicated, read-based, and essentially you're doing vector calculus on every play. Once you figured out how to do vector calculus, it's awesome. But there was functionally no creativity for the entire year. And if you don't know how to do vector calculus and you try and use Bill O'Brien's offense, it looks like it looked for large swaths of the year. Non-functional, massive headache, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, Bill O'Brien, bye. Um, honestly, the guy I'm excited for even though, you know, Alabama Williams has said, you know, doesn't really have the offensive line recruits at the level that they've had in the past in many cases. You know, Wolford was supposed to be the offensive line whisperer when he was brought in. Well, he'll have a full year to work with those guys and get him where he wants him to go. So, you know, that's something exciting. But just overall, you know, you want to look at an offensive coordinator who – will be creative and not do, you know, not just lean so hard into being in the NFL. Like NFL offense is awesome in the NFL. College, it's a little bit different. You don't have to go quite so crazy. So, you know, thanks for your service, Bill O'Brien. Enjoy the NFL. Thanks for your service, Pete Golding. Um, Enjoy. Wild turkey. I was going to say, enjoy your AA meeting because man has some serious demons. But – you know, it, it's it's been real. It's been fun. In in some cases, it's been really fun. But you know, time for that to end. And I really like your your get the band back together. You know, when has Alabama been the best? What guys are able to do it? Are those people available? Would they come back? Because you know, kind of looming over this entire thing, as young as Nick Saban looks, he's also not getting any younger. Seventy-one. So, yeah. Yep. So, so you know, he's only got – like, what – is he going to coach until he's 80? I mean, I think he will try, but, you know, that's that's a grind. So, you know, I don't think he has a lot more of these resets in him. So, instead of, you know, taking a shot on a young, an up-and-coming coordinator, you know, take the guys that you've built stuff with, you know, the guys that can come back 
and give it one more big hurrah for, you know, what, maybe three, five, if we're lucky, seven years. And that that's that's what I want to see. But, you know, if, if as I said, we're talking about the Sugar Bowl, I wanted to identify three to four guys. Um, in the similar vein with the coaching staff, not I want to identify three or four coaches, but I want to look at the staff changeover and be excited that some of the issues that plagued this current team, where it just there were times they weren't very fun to watch and they consistently couldn't do the little things right. If that goes away, you know, sky's the limit for even next year's Alabama team. So for me, Drew, it's a lot to be excited about, a lot to look forward to. I can't wait to turn the page on this one, quite honestly, because this has been a not fun season to talk about for that for large swaths. And I think that'll change going forward. Yeah. With the college football playoff expanding in 2024, it gives Alabama even more, uh, you know, ammo and uh, any more, even more reason to be, uh, you know, in the postseason every year and in the playoff. Uh, and it's another riddle for Nick Saban to solve, which I think he can. And, uh, you know, prove that he can win an expanded playoff because they're expanding because they're tired of Alabama and Georgia dominating it. We'll still continue to dominate it. Have the SEC have three or four teams in it uh, just to shove it up America's ass. At least that's what I hope happens. So we will see, no doubt about that. And again, Alabama got a, uh, uh, Jaron Hamilton, as we talked about, the receiver they did lose to Venice, 42 to 35 to end his high school career. But he will be headed to the University of Alabama with Malik Benson, with Caleb, uh, or, or excuse me, uh, Cole Adams, pardon me, uh, and, uh, of course, uh, from Longview, Texas, uh, Jalen Hale. So uh, they're, they're going to have a, a, a great foursome right there. We'll see who comes back to this team, who hits the transfer portal, uh, who declares for the draft. And then, you know, we'll have definitely a BAMS radio uh, before the Sugar Bowl to talk about who opted out, who, who's playing, who's not. Talk a little bit about Kansas State and recruiting because uh, this is the final stretch here. This this three weeks in December before the early signing period. So there's going to be a lot to talk about, no doubt about it. And coaching uh, additions and departures, which honestly that's what I'm most excited about because I think the staff is going to be retooled, no doubt. Uh, I just got in from the, in the wee hours. I went to watch Alabama play basketball live last night. They did not play their best game, but they beat South Dakota State 78-65. Uh, they were led by the 22 points and five threes of freshman Noah Clowney, uh, who did his best Robert Ory impersonation. Uh, then they got a chance to see Mark Sears, the transfer from Ohio University via Muscle Shoals High School in Alabama. He uh, had 19 of his own. And then, of course, Brandon Miller, the freakazoid, the one and done, had 16. So Alabama was able to get it done. Uh, they're seven and one now. And then they've got a brutal stretch coming up this uh, next several days. They are uh, going to take on the number one team in the country, Houston, on the road. They got a chance to beat a number one team in the country twice. They've already beaten North Carolina. Houston will be an even bigger challenge. Uh, they've got an upcoming date with Memphis coming back up on the 13th as well. Uh, and then Gonzaga coming up after that in Birmingham. So they, Alabama's got a really tough non-conference schedule in basketball. We'll have more of that to talk about, but they're off to a very strong 7-1 start, ranked 11th in the country, and it was good to see them uh, get a win last night over a really good mid-major program uh, in South Dakota State. And then also, let's not forget, Alabama did get a 2024 commitment. I never get too warmed up about these because they're so early, but Sterling Dixon from Mobile Christian, uh, a guy that will probably project as an inside linebacker commits to Alabama at 18 sacks and 170 plus tackles for Ronnie Cottrell this past year. Uh, you know, he's come from the same school as Deontay Lawson. Deontay, of course, led Alabama in tackles and Iron Bowl with nine. Uh, and Dixon is good friends with him. He committed to Alabama, one of the best prospects in 2024. And then if you're watching the Super Seven this week, uh, that sophomore Ryan Williams, who Alabama is going to have to hold off Auburn for. Uh, his father played it all, but he's committed to Alabama right now. He was MVP with four touchdowns, the sophomore, as Sarah Land beat a really, really sound uh, Mountain Brook team uh, to win their first state championship in three tries. So congratulations to Ryan Williams. Uh, K.J. Lacey, his sophomore quarterback, who really loves Bryce Young. He just got offered by South Carolina. A lot of good sophomores 
on that Sarah Land team. And so they win uh, their first, uh, uh, you know, state title under Jeff Kelly. Congratulations to them. Uh, and so that, that was uh, something I was watching there for. Mark Freeman and Thompson, they win again. They're fourth in a row. Peter Woods dominant. You know, Tony Mitchell played well. And then you got the uh, – uh, you know, Seaborn, the uh, eighth grader quarterback, he threw five touchdowns, so he'll be someone to watch going forward. So, uh, but again, a lot of great football action going on, some hoops, and uh, we will definitely be talking to you soon about the opt outs, previewing this bowl, and some more recruiting. But uh, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, for William Redfish Barger, we thank you for listening to BAMS Radio and continue to support us as we are now transitioning into postseason football and recruiting but we hope you enjoyed our discussion i thought it was a lively and spirited one about not making the college football playoff and what the future of the alabama program is against nick saban so good night everybody hey drew 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 Drew, before you say good night hang on a second i got something for you gotcha this just came through on my uh group text with my former teammate Okay. And this go this goes back to all the flavorful language that you've used towards Pete Golding. Right. All right. How many yards rushing did Will Friend get as the play caller for Auburn last Saturday in the Iron Bowl? Over three hundred. Yeah, three eighteen. Okay. Um, when he was Mike Bobo's play caller at Colorado State, Will Friend, who's never going to be a high-level offensive coordinator at any level of football, he knows his ceiling. He's an offensive line coach. But do y'all want to take a guess when Will Friend was working for Mike Bobo, Mike Bobo at Colorado State, how many yards – total offense he hung on Pete Golding um, when he was at uh, UT San Antonio I'd say 525 Thomas I was I'd go 500ish I feel like that's where you're going it's not it's 650 oh, oh my gosh good lord get him out of town in a hurry <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there, fellas. Well, that I think that's an apropos way to end this. In other words, get this coaching staff fixed, Coach. We all don't want to end up in rehab. <laughs> well, like I can say we appreciate everybody for uh, joining us. We appreciate that tidbit from William. Uh, another great show for us here at uh, BAMS Radio. We hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Uh, we may be coming to you again before the holidays, but if not, just in case, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, just like we did a Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, it's, a, it's the holiday season. It's time for to be around your loved ones. But again, we thank you for uh, continuing to support BAMS Radio. And, and, and when we appreciate your encouragement. For Thomas Watts and William Redfish Barger, good night, everybody, and roll tide.